0: Hello, listeners. This is your host Jessica Tolly, and I'm bringing to you a special episode of Sleepy Time Thoughts. My wonderful, smart husband came up with a wonderful idea um, a little bit ago. Uh, I haven't made episodes in a while, and uh, at Cambo Baker on Twitter, he had mentioned that maybe I should, you know, make some more episodes. He was like, you should make 40, 74 episodes. And I I don't know, maybe it'll get to be that long. (laughs) We'll, we'll find out. Um, And I I decided, you know, he's right. I I probably, I probably should more make more episodes. So uh, here I am. But I thought I got to mix this up a little bit. Like, I don't know what to talk about right now. Though I do have a lot to talk about, I want something that's a little bit more relatable than just my life. Uh, I mean, I'll still talk about my life here and there, but anyway, let's cut to the chase. This is an experimental episode. My husband had the idea that since I wasn't sure what topic to discuss, why not read a book? So um, he had originally given me uh, a book by C.S. Lewis, not the Chronicles of Narnia. And I tried doing that, so this is my second attempt actually. Um, but sometimes I stutter when I get nervous, which I'm sure has been noted. Uh, and I'm acting as if I'm speaking to an audience right now, and I still, despite all of my speaking to audiences and whatnot, I still have like nervous tics that includes, you know, stuttering here and there. So bear with me. I'll do my best to not stutter. But the book that I have chosen is Hyperbole and a Half by Allie Brosh. For those of you that don't know, Allie Brosh uh, started off as a blogger. I followed this woman for years before she made this this book, and her blog was named Hyperbole and a Half. I loved reading her blog so much because she was stupidly relatable like it felt like sometimes she was writing about my life whenever she was writing about her own. This woman deals with depression, anxiety, um, but she deals with it in kind of funny ways and she draws comics to go along with her stories that she's telling about her life. So that's also the pictures kind of make it worthwhile as well, because the pictures are just hilarious and they're drawn in like MS paint or something. Um, But at the very beginning or not the very beginning on the very cover of the book under the title, it says unfortunate situations, flawed coping mechanisms, mayhem and other things that happened. And there's a girl who has spiky blonde hair and a pink dress, and she looks like she's awkwardly smiling. Like very cringy smile and then a derpy looking dog. (laughs) Um, This book is actually a bunch of her blog posts um, and then some that she never released on her blog all smack dab into one whole book. Um, And I was such a huge fan that when she finally came out with the book... Like I snatched it right off of the off of the shelf at the at the bookstore. Like I was like, I have to have this because she deals she deals with her anxiety and her depression with humor, and I love that. Like I try to I try to do the same thing as well. Um, so she takes these these situations that your brain is telling you are just god awful. Like I am so miserable, but then she makes something hilarious out of it. And uh, it's just a treat. It's a treat for for those who, who have uh, mental illnesses and deal with them on a daily basis. And it kind of gives me, it kind of gave me, and hopefully you all too, a new perspective. Um, so I'm going to find one of the stories. I'll find a short story in here. Um, there's one there's I gotta find the one about there's, there's several about her dogs that she has but there's one in particular that just never fails to make me laugh and uh, it has to do with uh, training their dog or seeing if uh, <laughs> basically seeing if her dog's like you know dumber than a box of rocks um, so I'm gonna flip through here and see if I can find it Uh, or we could do the one where she's moving the dogs because that one's pretty funny too yeah let's go with that one so this the title of this uh, chapter or blog post that it used to be is called dogs don't understand basic concepts like moving <laughs> um this is only a few pages long, a lot of it is comics and I'll try to describe the pictures as I go along. So uh, alright, sit back and hopefully you'll laugh along with me and if you're not laughing at the story then maybe you're la- gonna end up laughing at my laugh because my laugh is silly. So <laughs> one way or another here we go and I hope this puts you in a good mood to to sleep. So don't dogs don't understand basic concepts like moving. Packing all of your belongings into a U-Haul and then transporting them across several states is nearly as stressful and futile as trying to run away from lava and swim fins. Below is a picture of a skeleton-looking creature screaming <laughs> in um, a fiery blaze with swim fins on. <laughs> I know this is because I know this because Duncan and I moved from Montana or to Oregon several years ago. But as harrowing as the move was for us, it was nothing compared to the confusion and insecurity our two dogs had to endure. When we started packing, the helper dog knew immediately that something was going on. I could tell that she knew because she becomes extremely melodramatic when faced with even the trivial amount of uncertainty. She started following me everywhere, pausing every so often to flop on the ground in an exaggeratedly morose fashion. Because maybe that would make me realize how selfish I was being by continuing to pack despite her obvious emotional discomfort. Uh, and so she draws a bunch of pictures of uh, of her moving boxes and her dog just looking more and more upset per picture and just staring at her with the saddest dog eyes like, why are you doing this to me? Uh. <laughs> When the soul-penetrating pathos she was beaming at me failed to prevent me from continuing to put things in the boxes, the helper dog became increasingly alarmed. Over the ensuing few days, she slowly descended into psychological chaos. The simple dog remained unfazed. <laughs> so she has a so helper dog and simple dog. Simple dog is a little bit touched in the head. Um... And she drew pictures of the dog helper dog being anxious as all get out. But uh, simple dog. (laughs) Just having a good old happy time. Doing whatever they they please. (laughs) And then she said, unfortunately for the helper dog, it took us nearly a week to get everything packed up. By the time we were ready to begin the first part of our two day journey to Oregon, she seemed almost entirely convinced that she was going to die at any moment. She spent the entire car ride drooling and shaking uncontrollably. But Simple Dog seemed to enjoy the trip, even though she threw up seven times. (laughs) Uh, So then she draws a picture of her dog throwing up and then staring at it and then going, I made food! Am I magical? (laughs) Uh, She actually seemed to like throwing up. The Simple Dog throwing up was like some magical power that she never knew she possessed. The ability to create infinite food. I was less excited about the discovery because it turned my dog into a horrible vomit-making perpetual motion machine. Whenever I heard her retch in the back seat, I had to pull over as quickly as possible to prevent her from reloading her stomach and starting the whole cycle all over again. But as far as Simple Dog was concerned, it was the mo- best, most exciting day of her life. It wasn't until we stopped for the night that the Simple Dog became aware that there was any reason for her to feel anxious, but at around two o'clock in the morning, the simple dog finally realized that something was different and maybe she should be alarmed. This particular dog is not anywhere near the gifted spectrum when it comes to solving problems. In fact, she has only one discernible method of problem solving and it isn't even really a method, but making a high pitched noise, but making high pitched noises won't solve your problem. If your problem is complete inability to cope with change. So her dog uh, realizes that there's a problem and it shows the progression. And it says part 1, become aware that there is a problem. Part 2, wait 19 seconds. Part 3, if problem persists begin begin making high pitched sounds. Part 4, continue making high pitched sounds until the problem is fixed. <laughs> Unfortunately for everyone involved, the simple dog did not understand the concept, and she went straight right ahead into making interminable amounts of noise that was just invasive enough to make sleeping impossible. After an hour of fatal attempts at comforting the simple dog, her constant high-pitched emergency distress signal became a huge problem. I tried to communicate my displeasure to the simple dog, but communicating with simple dog simply goes like this. No. Bad dog. Dog sounds. Are you are making sounds? We are making sound buddies. Boop 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 boop. Stop it! Shut up! Stop it! Oh my gosh! More sounds! Boop 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 boop. You're making everyone miserable. Boop! Boop boop boop. boop. <laughs> that sound forever if she felt it was necessary. We tried everything from spooning her to locking her in the bathroom, but none of it was even the slightest bit effective. (laughs) She continues to just sit in, in the background going... The simple dog made all the, made the noise all through the night and was still going strong the next morning. When we were loading the dogs into the car, the constant high-pitched sound emanating from the simple dog finally broke the helper dog. Helper dog wailed in anguish, which alarmed the simple dog. In her surprise, the simple dog let out a yelp, which further upset helper dog, and so continued in a wretched positive feed, feedback loop of completely unnecessary noise. <laughs> When we finally arrived at our new house, the dogs had calmed down considerably. However, it had snowed the night before, and there was still snow on our front lawn. And that was enough to catapult both dogs back into hysteria. The simple dog had had either never experienced snow, or she had forgotten that she knew what it was. Because when we let her out of the car, she walked around normally for about seven seconds. Then she noticed the snow, and her feeble little mind (laughs) short-circuited. At first, the simple dog was excited about the snow. She started prancing around the yard like she was the star of a one-dog parade, her recent personal crisis overshadowed by a haze of enthusiasm. The prancing turned into leaping, and the leaping turned to running chaotically in stupid little circles. Then she just stopped and stared at the ground. There was a visible, visible shift in her demeanor as she realized that she didn't understand snow, and it was everywhere, and she probably should be scared of it so she started making the noise again not surprisingly the helper dog interpreted the snow as a sign of her imminent demise but she was so exhausted from worrying about all the other signs of her demise that she just gave up and accepted her death she peered up at us half buried in the snow her eyes were filled with pain and helplessness as if she thought we had summoned the snow for the sole purpose of making her sad we decided that it was probably the best to bring the dogs inside as a condition for allowing us to have the dogs in our rental house. Our landlady made us promise that we wouldn't let the dogs scratch the wood floors. We didn't anticipate it being a problem because it hadn't been in the past. But as soon as our dogs set foot in the house, they morphed into perfectly engineered floor destroying machines. They started sprinting as fast as they could for absolutely no reason, skittering around in circles to avoid running into the walls we finally corralled them into the bedroom and shut the door to give ourselves a little time to regroup and come up with a plan until we could get some rugs or convince the dogs that it was unnecessary to sprint around chaotically we would need to find some way to prevent them from scratching the floors what we ended up doing was going to the pet store buying two sets of sled dog booties it was the only way (laughs) It is easy to imagine that a dog who has recently experienced a dramatic upheaval of its formerly safe and predictable life might not react well to suddenly having strange objects attached to all four of its feet. This was most definitely the case with the booties. The helper dog panicked and started trying to rip the booties off with her teeth. I scolded her and she reacted as if I ruined her life. But at least her immobilizing self-pity kept her from chewing the booties off the simple dog just stood there and looked at me in a way that would suggest she didn't realize her legs still worked (laughs) they had to wear booties for two days those two days were filled with the most concentrated display of over-emotional suffering I have ever witnessed the simple dog spent most of her time standing in the middle of the room looking bewildered and hurt and the helper dog refused to walk instead opting to flop her way around the house like a dying fish. (laughs) The entire ordeal was punctuated by the simple dog's high-pitched confusion alarm. We were beginning to think that our dogs were permanently broken. (laughs) Nothing we did helped at all to convince our dogs that we had only changed houses and our new house was not, in fact, some sort of death camp, and we weren't actually planning on killing them to fulfill our organ harvest ritual. Despite our best efforts, they continued to drift around in a sea of confusion and terror, pausing only to look pitiful. But while we were unpacking, we found a squeaky toy that had been given to us as a gift shortly before we moved. We offered the toy to the dogs. This may have been a mistake. Upon discovering that the toy squeaked when it was compressed forcefully, the simple dog immediately forgot that she'd ever experienced doubt or anxiety in her life. She pounced on the toy with way more force than necessary over and over. The logic behind her sudden change in out- outlook was unclear. <laughs> she wrote a diagram. Things that will cause the simple dog to suddenly understand and be at peace with changes in her life. Reassurance and support. No. The fact that there is nothing wrong in the first place. No. The time has passed and nothing bad has happened. No. Logic. No. There is a toy that makes noises when it's squeaked. Yes. But at least she was happy again. <laughs> and they just have a picture of simple dog squeaking a toy, running around, happy. And then helper dog just laying at their feet, looking so morose. <laughs> and sad. Uh, anyway, that's kind of one of my favorite stories, because the dogs are freaking out. And that's pretty relatable if you have dogs or cats. And Sometimes their personalities come out and it's just the best. It's just the best feeling in the world. Um, I'm going to go ahead and read another short one, which is titled The Simple Dog, which this all talks about, obviously, The Simple Dog, Um, and this one is also one of my favorite stories. Just a forewarning: the word "retarded" is used, but it's not like used as a derogatory term in this story. It's more or less used as what it actually means, which the dog might be, you know, like mentally challenged. Like it, the dog, you know, is not quite all there in the head. Which there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm just forewarning. So if people ever get upset by the use of the word retard or retarded um this this word is used quite a few times in this story and uh is not for you however it's not meant like i said as a derogatory term it's not meant as a as something to be mean it's just her humor so um if that does offend you then please stop here if it doesn't uh then here we go (laughs) The Simple Dog. A lingering fear of mine was confirmed last night. My dog might be slightly retarded. I've wondered about her intelligence ever since I adopted her and subsequently discovered that she was unable to figure out how stairs worked. I blame her ineptitude on the fact that she spent most of her life confined to a small kennel because her previous owners couldn't control her. I figure that maybe she just hadn't been exposed to stairs yet. Accepting the role the noble responsibility of educating this poor underprivileged creature i spent hours tenderly guiding her up and down the staircase placing biscuits on each step to lure her and celebrating any sign of progress when she still couldn't successfully navigate the stairs at the end of her first week with me i blamed it on her extreme lack of motor control the dog is uncoordinated in a way that would suggest her canine lineage is tainted with traces of species with a different number of legs, like maybe a starfish or a snake. The next clue came when I started trying to train her. I thought, how difficult can training a dog be? It came, it seems easy enough. I was wrong. Not only is training my dog outlandishly difficult, it also is heartbreaking. She wants so badly to please me. Every fiber of her being quivers with the desire to do a good job. There's a picture of her dog looking kind of sad and says, can be good dog, yes, what, want. She tries really hard. So there's a picture of her saying sit to the dog and the dog just tilts its head and looks at her. Sit. Dog tilts head more. Sit. Dog tilts head almost inverted. (laughs) <laughs> Sit. Stares. Keeps staring at dog. Dog rolls over on the floor. But when turning her head on an extreme angle fails to produce a life-altering epiphany, she usually just sorts short circuits and rolls onto her back. Over the past two months, she's made some progress, but has been painfully slow and is easily forgotten. Still, I was living under the assumption that maybe my dog just had a hidden capacity for intelligence that all I had to do was work hard enough and maybe she'd wake up one day and be smart and capable like a normal dog. But one night I was sitting on my couch, mindlessly surfing the internet when I looked up and noticed my dog licking the floor. Just licking and licking. At first I thought maybe I'd spilled something there, but her licking did not appear to be localized to one spot. Rather she was walking around the room licking seamlessly seemingly at random. She lay down on her side, and kept looking out of the side of her mouth while staring directly at me. At that moment, I realized that I needed to know for sure whether my dog was retarded or not. I googled how to tell if your dog is retarded, and after a bit of research, I found a dog IQ test that looked fairly legitimate. It involved testing your dog's ability to solve a very few basic problems, like figuring out how to get out from underneath the blanket. I gathered my necessary supplies and began testing. The first test asked me to call my dog using a variety of words that were not her name to gauge whether or not she would she could tell the difference. Uh, so I called out Refrigerator and was pleased to see that my dog did not respond. She also failed to respond to Movie, Dishwasher, and Banana. I was beginning to feel very proud of her. Then came the crucial step. I called her name. Nothing. I called it a few more times. Just to be sure. Still nothing. The words hung like a neon sign broadcasting my dog's failures. It's okay, I thought. She'll do better on the next one. On the second test, I had to put a blanket over my dog and time her to see how long it took her to escape. I threw the blanket over her and started my stopwatch. She made some cursory attempts at freeing herself, but as the seconds ticked by, it became clear that she was not going to pass. Still, I gave her the benefit of the doubt and assumed that she was just enjoying being under there and could get out if she wanted to. I added an extra couple of points to her tally for Faith's sake. After flagrant, flagrantly failing three more tests, it came down to the final trial. If she could score five out of five possible points on this section of the test, she could bump herself out of the bottom category into below average. First, I had to make her sit, which was a test in and of itself. Then I was supposed to show her a biscuit, let her sniff it, then, after making sure she was watching it, place the biscuit on the ground and put a plastic cup over it. If she knocked the cup over to get the biscuit within a certain amount of time, she'd pass the test. I put the biscuit under the cup and started the timer. My dog ran over to the cup, sniffed it, walked around it once, and then looked up at me like I was some sort of wizard. <laughs> I pointed to the cup. I knew it was cheating, but I wanted to help my dog pass her test. She didn't understand, but she knew she was supposed to do something. So she just started frantically doing things because maybe, just maybe, one of those things would be the right thing. And the magical wizard cup would let her know where the treat went. (laughs) So it shows pictures of the dog howling, running around it, fetching a ball. Uh, All just remaining, the cup remaining out of tact, uh, out of uh, contact. And then her flopping over on her back. And just laying there and giving up. After five minutes of watching my dog aimlessly tear around the house, I finally accepted that she was not going to pass any part of this test. And yes, she was most likely mentally challenged. But damn it, I was not going to let my poor, retarded dog feel like she had failed. In which she, she lifted up the cup to show the dog where the treat is. And the dog looks at it and walks away. And she's like, good job, dog. You found it anyway so those are just two out of several several stories i'd say there's a good 20 25 stories i think uh that's in this book <laughs> uh so <laughs> um i really if you if you like a good laugh um And these are, these were more of the funny, the funnier ones. Um, there's some where she, she really does talk about coping with depression and, uh, and whatnot. Um, and she's got more, more stories about her dog and and whatnot on here. But, um, so yeah, I guess let me know what you guys thought, um, if you have any advice? Maybe uh, read a different book, or don't read any more books, or you know, just any thoughts that you have on this. Please let me know. Any feedback is positive feedback, even if you're like, "Yeah, this sucked. This is my my least favorite." Like, hey, still, I I, I know, like whether or not I should do this again. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, I hope, at the very least, the story uh, gave you all a little bit of laughter before you go to sleep, because uh, going to bed in a bad mood is never any good for anyone, and that's pretty much the point of this podcast, is making sure that you go to sleep in a good, happy, positive mood, or at least in a neutral mood, you don't feel like you're upset, and um, that way you can get a better night's sleep. Uh, so yeah, let me know what you all think. And this has been a special episode of Sleepy Time Thoughts with Jessica Tolly. My Twitter handle and Instagram handle is at Natira Darius. That is N-A-T-I-R-A-D-A-R-I-U-S. And once again, this idea was brought upon my awesome, intelligent husband. I love him so much. <laughs> Evan Tolley and his Twitter handle is at Sir SirRajahTah. That's S-I-R-R-A-J-A-T-A-H. So yeah, let me know what you think and good night and sweet dreams, listeners. Take care. Bye.